of our overall theme this year at Northside, and I know we have a lot of visitors, so to kind of explain where we are, our theme is Freedom in Christ. We're talking about some of the freedoms that we have uh, specifically in Christ, and our current series is called Free from Fear. Uh, we've been talking about things that uh, we are afraid of sometimes, but uh, shouldn't be if we're in Christ. Now, we're going to take a little break from that series today. Because of the holiday, we'll get back to it in a couple of weeks. But we are going to stay on the topic of fear. Uh, I think there's a way to tie the holiday to kind of our general topic here and uh, stay pretty much on thought. President Roosevelt, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's most famous line, uh, was the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, he said that in 1941, late in 41, after the attack on Pearl Harbor. But earlier in 1941 is what I want to start off thinking about a little bit this morning. In January of 41, January 6th, he addressed Congress. At that time, America was not in World War II. Uh, but he talked to Congress, and he was telling them that we were going to have to get into the war. He was warning them of the necessity of war. And uh, the way he chose to do that... Uh, was he took four American ideals, if you will, and stated those, went over those with Congress, and said that all of those ideals ought to be spread to the rest of the world, was his argument for getting into the war. Now, uh, those four ideals were freedom of worship, freedom of speech, Freedom from want and freedom from fear. And in his speech, he emphasized each one and said that it should be spread to all of the world. Now, a fellow named Norman Rockwell was so impressed by that speech, so inspired by it, that he painted four paintings, a painting of each of those uh, freedoms uh, and called them the four freedoms of America. Uh, he put... Roosevelt's ideals, or those American ideals, really, he put them in everyday pictures, everyday scenes. And the Saturday Evening Post published one of them each week for four weeks, and they became very, very popular in the United States. In fact, at first, the government didn't want to have anything to tie in with it or talk about it hardly, but finally they decided they were so popular that they could use them uh, to raise money. So what they turned into was the greatest war bond drive uh, ever. The government teamed up, uh, got the rights to Rockwell's paintings, and started a war bond drive to maintain the four freedoms. The United States initiates the greatest bond drive of all time. And they raised money for the, the war. Now, if you look at prints of Rockwell's posters uh, that came from the government, you see they're tied to that. It doesn't just say freedom from what. It says that is ours to fight for, freedom from what. On another one, he said to buy war bonds, uh, the government said, and the purpose was to save freedom of worship. Uh, that's how they motivated the buying of war bonds. Uh, those pictures, those four pictures of the four freedoms uh, got very, very popular, as I said. 
If you want to look today, you can find all sorts of things to collect about those. If you go on eBay, you can find plates with the four freedoms on them. You can find coffee cups with the four freedoms on them. Uh, you can find placemats and, uh, where's the placemats? There's placemats and you can even buy some Budweiser beer steins with the four freedoms on them if you're into that collection. Uh, you can buy the original posters, uh, if you got a little bit more money. Original poster runs about $500 these days. And, uh, that, that's how popular those have been uh, for the past 60, 70 years. Now, this concept of freedom from and not fearing things ties right into our lesson, of course. We've seen in this series over and over that fear not is one of the most repeated commandments in the Bible. Over and over, God commanded his people to fear not because he's God. Uh, last time we were together, we talked about this one, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul told the church in Philippi, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, that's another word for fear. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't dread things. Don't, don't be anxious about anything, but talk to God about it. Uh, give Him your requests, and He will give you peace of mind. You don't need to worry and fear and be anxious about things. So we've seen that principle and because this is a holiday weekend, and I tend to like to honor America a little bit every once in a while, at least once a year. Uh, in fact, that's exactly how often I wear this tie, is once a year. Uh, I, I don't know how old this tie is, at least 20 years old, I think, but it's only been worn 20 times, so it's still good. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, I like to honor America occasionally, and uh, today's a good day to do that. So let's think about these four freedoms. In fact, I want to give us five things to think about, the four freedoms and then one other. And we're just going to discuss America a little bit and what God has to do with it and see if we can learn some things today. First of all, the freedom of worship. Uh, first one in the series that Rockwell painted uh, today, that's not a popular freedom. Uh, today, the uh, elite, let's call them, would like to change that uh, to freedom from worship instead of freedom of worship. They like to try anything they can to separation of church and state and try to keep anybody from saying anything religious. Uh, they want to rewrite history some. Uh, some of you may have been told that our founding fathers were all deists. Uh, they weren't Christians. Uh, we've, done, we've talked about that quite a bit in the last few years here at Northside. We've done a class a couple of times on Wednesday night about our founding fathers and their faith. Uh, we went through them one by one, and we really got into quite a bit of detail about each one. And in that study... Our conclusion was, uh, after we got done with about six months of that, that if anybody tells us that our founding fathers were all deists and none of them were Christians and they didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity and they wanted total separation of church and state, our response is to laugh in their face. It's just preposterous. I mean, it is that preposterous that anybody could say that. Now, if you're visiting with us today and you believe that, 
we'll be a little kinder. We'll tell you we're sorry that you're poorly educated. Uh, but that's the message that's out there. Lots of people believe it. But if you look at history, if you study those men, if you see where they came from and what they believed and how many of them attended uh, seminary and how many of their fathers were preachers and on and on and on, you see a whole different picture than you learn today. Uh, they were most decidedly Christian. Uh, not 100%, but very, very nearly. Uh, they most assuredly believed Psalm 33. They believed that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And because they believed that, the first thing, or one of the first things that they guaranteed was the freedom of worship. And it is at least tied for number one. Uh, It's in the First Amendment. Uh, It's in the Bill of Rights, First Amendment. And I fear that in today's climate, uh, a lot of people don't know the importance of that, uh, don't know what the Bill of Rights really means and how, how serious our founding fathers took that. Uh, you see, the men that founded this government were afraid of government. They didn't want a strong federal government. They had come from a, a background where a strong government told them everything they could and couldn't do, and they had escaped that. So they feared a strong, they needed the federal government to tie the states together, but they were scared to death of what a federal government could do. And so many of them, before they would ratify the Constitution, said, we've got to have a Bill of Rights, something that limits the government, strictly tells it what it cannot do. And that's what the Bill of Rights is. So they wrote ten amendments, and the first one, the very first thing in it, is that the federal government cannot establish a religion or prohibit the exercise of religion, inhibit it in any way. Now, the reason they did that is they came from a background where... The government did have a state church, and you got favored treatment if you were in that, and you got persecuted if you weren't in that. And so the very first thing they did is said, the federal government can't establish a church. There's not going to be any state church. And the federal government can write no law that inhibits the free exercise of religion. They just can't mess with it. Just leave it alone. They can't write any law that does anything to bother the exercise of religion. That's very clear, very plain. I know it's not plain in 2014, but it was plain then. The federal government just stay out of it. When the founders set up this country, they basically tried to fix everything that they were used to that didn't work. They knew some things didn't work. And so they wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights to try to fix those things. And this was a biggie. This was number one. They came from a background where the king thought if he wanted to do something, 
He could do it. He was the king. They said, that's wrong. That, that doesn't work. So they set up a system of three branches of government that have checks and balances on each other, and the other two can tell anyone that, no, you cannot do that. Okay. I mean, that's what they were doing, trying to fix all the bad things that they were used to. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's amazing, interesting, that number one in the list was, you stay out of worship. People can worship. They are free to worship. Now, the thing I want to think about on this one is, what if we didn't have the freedom of worship? There are a lot of places in the world that don't. What if we were persecuted? I think the time will come when we will be more. I think we already are to some degree, but not to any very harmful degree yet, but I think it's coming. But what if that was the truth? What if we didn't have freedom of religion? Well, Christianity is unique. It's not a national kind of religion. It's not a, a place kind of religion. In fact, John chapter 4, amazing. I think it's very applicable. Jesus talking to the woman at the well. And she said, where are you supposed to worship? You Jews say in Jerusalem. My people say up there on the mountain. Jesus said, it doesn't matter. Well, it won't matter. There's a time coming where that's not what worship's about. Said right now it is, but the time's coming under the Christian age when what matters is how you worship. You worship in spirit and truth. And see, we can do that anywhere. We can do that anyway. We can do that whether the government says we can or not. Now, if it gets enough persecution where they say we can't assemble and all that, uh, we'll have to disobey the laws and suffer the punishment. But our religion is one where we worship in spirit and truth wherever we are, however many are gathered together. Hopefully that day will never come, but we can handle it when it does. Freedom of speech is the second one. And that's fitting that it was second because it's right there number two in the Bill of Rights also. Founders put in the First Amendment right right behind freedom of worship that the federal government cannot pass any law abridging the freedom of speech. means they can't touch it. Can't write any law that does anything to inhibit the freedom of speech or, or abridge it. And secondly, the next phrase is, or of the press. Now, the reason they wrote that and the reason America is protected and that we have freedom of speech is because any time a government, whatever kind it is, starts being unfair in its dealings with people, they have to cover that up. You can't let everybody know that. So anybody that thinks it's unfair, you got to tell them to be quiet. Anybody that wants to write about it and publish an article in a paper that says they're being unfair, you got to tell him to be quiet. That's what they were used to. That's what they came from. That's what there's a lot of in the world today. So our founders wrote in there that the federal government can't do that, that if somebody wants to stand up and say that government is unfair, that something's wrong... And all that, they've got freedom to do that. And they can't be punished for it. 
There's a lot of places in the world that's an amazing freedom. We're, we're blessed with that in America. My thought question for this one is, what if we were silenced? What if we didn't have freedom to speak about what we wanted? Can you, can you imagine a situation like that? A country like that? A, a government like that? The apostles ran into that. Remember that story in Acts 5? The, the, the apostles ran into exactly that. They were saying things that the ruling elite didn't want said. They were talking about Jesus. And if you just read Acts chapter 5, it's kind of interesting. Just outline it or just pick one word for, for what happened. They preached. They were arrested. Angel got them out of jail. They preached. They were arrested. They got hauled back in and the, the rulers said, we thought we told you not to speak about that. I said, we can't help it. We got to. I said, all right, we'll flog you. Now go out there and don't talk about Jesus. And the last line says they never stopped talking about Jesus. They went out there and did it. Okay. If we ever lose freedom of speech or freedom of religion tied into that somewhat, we still got to speak. Yeah. Think how blessed we are, how good it is. We don't have to worry about that today. We don't have to worry in America by being arrested or being flogged or, or whatever, but if the time comes, we still have to speak about what's important. There is a higher power, and the apostles pointed that out to them. They said, we've got to obey God rather than men. Freedom from fear. Constitution, you read it, it doesn't give the federal government many powers. In fact, almost all of it limits federal government's powers. It says they can't do this and that. But one power it does give them, in fact, the number one role that it does give the federal government is to protect people. Keep Americans safe. Defend the nation. Keep us free from fear. That's their task. Now, the interesting part of this to me is that that is directly from the Bible. That's the, that's the number one, technically, is the only role that the Bible authorizes government to have. God ordains government. He ordains the people in power. And he says over in Romans 13, that's the role of government, to punish the wrongdoer and protect the innocent. That's what it's supposed to do. And we're supposed to obey to a government and submit to it. We're supposed to pay our taxes. And that's what government's supposed to do. Protect the innocent. Punish the wrongdoers. Uh, to the degree that they do that well, we're free from fear. Government doesn't do that well. There's a lot more fear around. Higher crime, more problems, uh, things to worry about internationally and on and on. To the degree that the government does that. We are free from fear, and uh, essentially in America, we have way less fears than lots of people in this old world. Freedom from want, let's talk about that one quickly. 
Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons that America is free from want. In fact, we have such bounty that uh, this picture portrays here. In fact, I think this probably became Rockwell's most famous painting ever uh, of a good old American Thanksgiving. Uh, we have plenty. Uh, we always have seemed to have plenty. I think one reason for that is just America itself. Uh, we sang a song about America the beautiful. Uh, this is an amazing land of natural resources. We have natural resources that a lot of places in the world don't have. Uh, there are others that have uh, certain things or, or one or two resources, but I don't think there's any place quite like America that has the, the fertile land and the, the minerals and the, the water resources and the uh, different seasons that make growing things good. It's, it's a very special country, uh, just naturally, just resource-wise. Uh, if you live in a place like that, you are free from want, just kind of naturally. Uh, if you live in a place in this world that is arid and rocky and no water source and extreme temperatures, you're going to want there's going to be want. Well, there's another option is you can leave. Uh, but if you're going to stay there, uh, times are going to be hard. You're going to want. You're not going to probably have bounty like we do in America. Uh, Cindy visited Ethiopia a few years ago, uh, see the modules and spend a month there. Uh, one friend she made while they were there was a guard at the camp, a guy named Daba, a Christian young man. Uh, he took them home with him, shared dinner with them, shared the only chicken that Daba and his family were going to have all year. One a year was about what they had. Uh, that's the kind of land they lived in. It's not fertile. It's not, not bounteous. There's other reasons I know, but that was largely due to the natural resources. Uh, I think the second thing, besides just America being the land that it is, I think the second thing that makes it a land where we're free from want, uh, as long as we're talking about government, is that the system that our founding fathers set up was one that rewards good things. It was a system of basically free enterprise, and that kind of system rewards hard work and innovation. And it rewards serving others. It's not like some countries where there's titles and classes. In fact, our Constitution specifically says, ain't going to be no titles. <laughs> there will be none in this country. There will be nothing like that to establish classes where once you're in a class, you're stuck for life. Our country was started to say, no, you can move between classes. If you start with nothing, you can move up if you're innovative enough and work hard enough and serve others and do the right things. You can move up. We have that kind of system that rewards the things that the Bible says are good. The Bible says we ought to work. The Bible says we ought to consider others. 
that the Bible says that's the way Christians operate. So our founding fathers, being Christian men, incorporated that. And I think that's made us a country that is essentially totally free from want. Now, I do want to say something about this want and us being rich and all of that. All of this is relative. You know, I realize we're the richest nation and all that, but, but all of this is relative. Cindy's friend Daba did not think he wanted. He thought he was blessed. Yeah. He was thankful that God had blessed him with one chicken that year so he could serve it, save it, sure, share it with others. Yeah. So I realize all this is relative, but still in the big picture, uh, freedom from want it, it do a lot here due to our natural resources and the system that we have. Our system is better than others. Now, as a Christian, what if we did want? Well, it, it, once again, it's all relative. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Whatever I've got is enough. In any situation, we should be able to say that. 2 Corinthians 9 8, promise God promised that He is able to, to make all grace abound so that in all things and at all times you'll have all you need. Doesn't promise you'll be rich. <laughs> Doesn't promise you'll have everything you want. It promises you'll have everything you need. So, from a Christian point of view, we should always be free from the fear of want and free from want, but we have to admit America is blessed. In this area. All right. I told you there were five things I wanted you to think about. Here's the fifth one. Norman Rockwell didn't draw a picture of it. Uh, I just want us to think about this a bit. We've been talking about America and how great the founding fathers were and all that. Uh, and I, I don't think there's much argument that America is still uh, the greatest country. I realize that we've slipped in a lot of things and done a lot of things wrong and uh, not as bright a future as we sometimes seem to have, but uh, things change. They can get better. They can get worse also. Uh, but America's still a great nation. Well, here's the question. Why is it a great nation? We could argue one side that the, the natural resources and the style of government and all that's the reason. But I think we could also consider Psalm 33. I think that God might have something to do with it. So that's the one I want us to think about as we close here just a little bit. Now, there's no doubt that our style of government makes things better. A few years ago, Mark and I went to Venezuela to visit Jonathan. And I've told you before, I spent all week, all week and a half, trying to figure out how the place worked. Yeah, it's such a strange system of government to me. It was such a strange economy. I couldn't figure out how things worked, and the answer is they didn't work. You know, it's gotten worse. <laughs> it's gotten way worse in Venezuela. Uh, people are fleeing Venezuela. In fact, uh, Jonathan had a link to a story the other day that I looked up and read. It was written by a journalist in Venezuela, Rafael Cabrisas, and he had just recently fled Venezuela, and he wrote about it. 
he was a journalist. And he said they had taken away his freedom of speech. He couldn't write about some things. Uh, he, he couldn't do what he was trained to do. He, he couldn't keep money anywhere. The money was worthless. What money he had saved, he had managed to get to the United States somehow where his sister was and had it in a U.S. bank. So he had a little bit of savings, but had to do it outside of Venezuela. He said when they left, you couldn't get shampoo, you couldn't get toilet paper, the elevators didn't work because nobody could get elevator parts, couldn't get cancer medicine. On and on the list went, but just those few there, just think about that. A country that is so messed up, that is so poorly governed, that you can't get toilet paper. It's one of the richest nations in the world, got more oil than anybody. But the system of government prohibits it from functioning. So he finally decided, we've got to buy airline tickets and get out of here. So he got what money he could and bought airline tickets and for a future date so they could get ready to leave. And in the interim, the airlines stopped serving Venezuela because the government wouldn't let them take U.S. dollars. They paid them in the local currency, which was equivalent to toilet paper. So they owed the airlines like $4 billion U.S. And the airlines said, well, we're, we're going to stop serving your country. So Raphael and his family were scared to death. They, they weren't going to be able to get out as they went through the airport and worried every step of the way would they even let them on the plane. And once they were on, was it going to be able to take off? They went through all that and finally got out of the country. Got to Miami. And they had a whole different kind of problem there. He said the first really huge problem was his wife went to the grocery store and said she got in front of the yogurt selection and completely locked up. Said you could not find yogurt in Venezuela. And here she was with a hundred different kinds of yogurt. Said she couldn't function. She couldn't make the decision. She <laughs> That freedom was totally unknown to them. So, so there's no doubt that a, a system of government can keep a people in want and in fear and not worshiping and not speaking freely and all that. We understand that. And we're, we're blessed to be in America where that's not an inhibitor. But I think Psalm 33, in fact, I know Psalm 33 still applies. It still matters that we are a nation where God, where our God is the Lord. Now, if you read Psalm 33, verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Now, I do not believe we're the chosen people. I don't believe in manifest destiny that God picked America to bless above all of the nations and we've got a right to do anything we want and all of that. I don't go that far. 
But I think that first part of verse 12 is true. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And what percentage that has to be, I don't know. (laughs) It's obviously not 100% anywhere. We were a lot closer to 100% when our founding fathers and the other people came over here. Their God was Jehovah God of the Bible. There are nations now where that's not the God. If you ask Jonathan, who's the God in Venezuela? Oh, there's some Catholic churches and some other things and all that. But in general, he'll tell you the God there is pleasure. The God there is physical things. The the God there is what you look like, attractiveness. Physical, beauty, pleasure. That's God. And when you come to that point, whether that's your God or some other God besides Jehovah, I think he begins to not bless you so much. Like I said, I think we were more percentage-wise, Jehovah being our God, than we used to be. But I also believe most folks in the United States still believe in God. Most folks in the United States still think Norman Rockwell's paintings are cool. that, That picture of Thanksgiving, you see that and you think about how blessed we are. There, there are people that look at that picture and critique Norman Rockwell and say he wasn't a great painter. Yeah, I, I read a bunch of that when I was looking up the history of this. I thought that just kind of a microcosm of it. There are some people like that. Well, he's not a great artist. Picturing Thanksgiving dinner and the people just look perfectly real and... None of their heads are triangles or anything weird. It's, you know, how, how pitiful is that? But there are people, I think most people in the United States still look at that and say, this is a great country. Yeah. We, we are free from what? We are free from fear. We are free to worship. We do have free speech. Because God is God. And this country was founded on those principles. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Next week, well, not next week, next time we're together, we're going to talk about freedom from fear and the fear being the fall of a nation. I think a lot of people are fearful today. Fearful that some of the things that I talked about today are slipping away fast. What do we do as Christians about that? We do, we do love our country. It's not the first priority. We don't have an American flag in here. We don't worship America. We, we realize we're blessed to live in America. But very few Christians in the history of the world have been blessed to live in the circumstances we are. Yeah. Uh, what if we lose that? What if our freedoms do go away? How how do we stay free from fear of that? So we'll talk about that in two weeks when we're back together. lesson is yours. If you have need to respond this morning to the Lord's invitation, we'd be thrilled to happy happy to help help you put him on in baptism.
If you have some other need, we'd be happy to help you and come to the front. Elders will be here. Let's stand and sing.